Well, he never wonders about the decisions he made. He's very content. I mean, he never sits around and, and asks himself those deep questions. You know, did I pursue the right career? Am I doing what God wanted me to do? Did I miss the boat? Did God have something better in store for me? Did I make, did I make the wrong decision? Did, did God have a different plan for me and I missed it? He never, ever asked that question. He never, ever wrestles with those kind of dilemmas. Of course, he has an advantage over you and me. Because he's a dog. I'm talking about Mushi, okay? I'm talking about my pet, all right? Mushi lays in my house, in my living room, and is completely content. No dreaming, you know, no speculating, no wondering. Maybe I should have been a rescue dog. Maybe I should have been a bomb-sniffing dog or an attack dog, okay? Maybe I should have been like, you know, that St. Bernard that has that big thing underneath his jaw and goes out into the, you know, the cold realm and saves somebody free. He never wrestles with those kinds of questions because he's a dog. But you're not. You see... Man alone wrestles with that question. Man's the only creature that sits around and wonders, why am I here? What is my purpose? Why has God placed me on this earth? You alone, as a human being, you alone are the only creature that wrestles with those kinds of questions. Well, I want to answer that today. I want to answer why you're here. I want to remind you from God's word why you are on this earth. And let me just take this idea completely out of your mind. It has nothing to do with your career. It has nothing to do with who, who signs your paycheck or if you receive a paycheck. It has nothing to do with your retirement or your hourly wage or your annual income. It has nothing to do with your education, your experience, or any of that stuff. Because the truth is, you can do what God has designed you to do no matter what you do on this earth. Now, you probably have a job. You probably have something that you're involved in. You probably have some means of providing for yourself. And when I bring up the questions that Mushi doesn't ask... Did I miss the boat? Did I make the wrong choice? Did I miss God's best for me? You probably went to things like career, education, and those kind of things. But I want us to understand today, that's not what God made you for. God made you and me to be followers of him, to live for his glory, to be conformed to the image of Christ, To be like Jesus, regardless of who pays your bills, who writes your check, who you work for, regardless of all that, we are called to be fishers of men. Open up your Bible with me to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1. Let's jump in where we've been here recently. 
And we know that where we're at now in the, in the life of Christ is we are actually about a year and a half into his earthly ministry. Mark uses the first 13 verses to cover a year and a half of time. And then we jump into verse number 14, a year and a half after Jesus started his earthly ministry, his public ministry that is. And so we're jumping into the middle of the stream here. And so what Jesus does is he calls these, at this point, four individuals and invites them to follow him. They've already come and seen. John chapter 1, Jesus said to them a year and a half earlier, earlier than what you're going to read in just a minute, Jesus said, come and see. You want to see who I am? You want to see if I'm the Christ? Come and see. They came and saw for a year and a half, and they have decided he is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Son of God. They've already come to that conclusion. Now what he's going to do is he's going to invite them to become fishers of men. All right? So I'm going to start in Mark chapter 1. I'm going to read a couple of verses. I'll tell you where they are, but we're eventually going to work our way to verse number 35. Okay? So let's start with verse number 27. And they were all amazed, and they questioned among themselves, what is this? A new teaching with authority? Talking about Jesus here. They said, Jesus commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Hundreds of towns and villages. The word is spreading. Jump down to verse number 34. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak. Because they knew him. Verse 35 and following. And rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him and they found him and they said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also for that is why I came out. And he went throughout Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. And a leper came to him, imploring him and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began talking freely about it and to spread the news. And Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in the desolate places. And people were coming to him from every corner. See, Jesus has been teaching some lessons to his four disciples at this point. The four that have responded. Simon, Andrew, James, and John. 
And he has invited them to his team, kind of this fab four, okay? And he's now teaching them lessons. He's going to add to them later, okay? Later on, he's going to call the 12 apostles. But we're early on now in his preparation to reach the world, This is Jesus' method. This is his means. This is his plan to reach the world with the gospel. So he takes these four fishermen, and he's now teaching them some lessons about what his plan involves. And the first thing we saw when we talked about this just two weeks ago is he made them, he helped them to understand it is time now to act. You can't put this off any longer. Come And I will make you fishers of men. It's time. And we said some of us have been following Jesus for 20, 30, 40 years. And we still haven't responded to his call to become fishers of men. And so some of us are waiting on the sideline, bored with Christianity, bored with our relationship with the Lord. But in truth, we haven't really entered into the fishing battle We're just watching from the sideline. And we wonder why we're bored. And we wonder why we don't really feel like we're experiencing the abundant life. Now listen, and if you've listened to our podcast earlier this week, you heard this little shameless plug, okay? Take a listen to that. The abundant life that Jesus offered is just that, an offering. It's not a declaration promise in your life. There are Christians who are not experiencing the abundant life because they are waiting and watching and they have not responded to this call to become part of God's plan to reach and disciple the world. If you're not a part of God's plan to reach and disciple the world, you are not walking in obedience to what Jesus has called you to do. He invites us to this. So that was his first little lesson for us. Last week he talked about the fact that Jesus is the only hope. He's all you got. All you got for you and all you got for anybody else is Jesus. That's it. Education is not going to fix. Politics is not going to fix. Money is not going to fix. There's no politician. There's no method. There's, no, there's nothing that man's going to come up with that's going to fix man's problems. The only hope is Jesus. And we saw that. He came casting out demons. We talked about there was this huge upswing of demonic activity in the, during the time when Jesus was on the earth. This huge upswing. Like you don't see in the Bible other than when he comes again. as described in the book of Revelation. And Jesus is now healing people, casting out demons, and they remark that he speaks with authority. In other words, what this man says is true. Listen, the only hope we have is Jesus. That's it. Now, I want to challenge you with an idea before we get into really diving into our passage, and it's this. And I've alluded to this every week we've talked about Mark, but I want to take another stab at it, okay? We understand what Jesus represents. He is our Savior, yes. He came to seek and save the lost. But, folks, we also need to wonder, I mean, I'm sorry, we need to see that Jesus is the model for us. We are to walk as Jesus walked. That means live as Jesus lived. It's not original with me, but I say this. Jesus alone is fully 
human. He is fully human. Here's what that means. He is the picture of what God intended for man to be. If you want to know what God intended man to live out, you look at Jesus. We had the first Adam. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about this. We had the first Adam who came and failed. Failed. Failed miserably. Sinned. And because of that sin, the whole world is cursed. But now Jesus is called the second Adam. You see, he comes now and shows us what God intended. He shows us what, what, what man's design was meant to be. Relationship with God. The priorities that Jesus lived out. This is what we are to live in our lives. So we don't just read the Gospels for entertainment. We don't just understand. We don't just have the last chapter of all four Gospels. The crucifixion. The resurrection. That's not all we have. We've got his life. Because they show us what God's perfect plan is. I challenge you with the idea that, that Jesus lived out his life. As he lived his, his life, he was submitted to the will of God. Think about that. I know we're getting into the Trinity now and it blows our mind. He lived in submission to the will of God. He lived empowered by God's spirit. And we are too. We are as well to live that out. So when we read the Gospels, like we're going to be looking at in just a moment, this is the model for us. He is our Savior, but he also is the model, and we are to walk as he walked. Okay? So let's dive into it here and understand that to have influence in our world, that's part of the purpose of our church. Intimacy with God, community with others, and influence in our world. In order to live out that influence, we must walk as Jesus walked. And the first step of that walk is going to shock you. It's shocking. But it's in verse number 35. Look at it. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. Now we need to understand something. Jesus is a busy man. He is a busy man. Do you remember what happened the day before this? The day before this event, Jesus is now healing so many people. They are now crowded around Simon's home. Jesus had met with the the Fab Four. They came back to Simon's home, and Simon's mother-in-law was there, and Jesus heals her. And the word is spreading now that there's this miracle worker at Simon's home. And the people now come and crowd around And it talks about there in verses 32 and following that it's sundown and they're bringing all those who are sick and oppressed by demons to the door and Jesus is healing them. You need to know that kind of ministry is exhausting. It is exhausting to do what he's doing. Now, I've never healed somebody with sickness, but I've been with struggling people. I've been with sick people. 
I've been with hurting people, and so have you. And it's exhausting, isn't it? He's also teaching with authority. So he's not sitting over there in the corner like, you know, hey, let me tell you something. He's up front speaking and proclaiming God's word, and he is exhausted. Just the the outpouring of adrenaline that comes when you're doing ministry is exhausting. Jesus is wiped out. And it says here, he goes after sundown. He's going into the night now. The people are crowding around. They're trying to press towards him. They're trying to get to him. And it says in verse 35 that he rose early. First of all, it shows us he went to sleep. Yes, Jesus slept. Jesus tired. Jesus was hungry. Jesus was thirsty. Jesus wept. Jesus laughed. Jesus is fully human. And now what we're going to see is we're going to see that from him, we're going to see the secret, we're going to see the power, the power of new life as he shares with us how that looked. I want you to see here that Jesus is strengthened through his intimacy with the Father. Okay, notice this. He's strengthened through the intimacy that he has with the Father. Look what it says in verse 35. He gets up early in the morning while it's still dark. It says very, very a.m., okay? Very, very a.m. He's out early, and it says here he departed, and that means that he left, okay? He, he, he went out away from him to a desolate place. Now, this word desolate is interesting. It's most often translated in your New Testament, the word wilderness. That's exactly how Mark translated, translated in verses 13 and 14. You look at it, 1, 13 and 14. It says there that Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days. That's that exact same word, the desolate places. So, so look at this picture of, of Jesus. He's tired, but yet he rises early. The crowd is pressing and calling for him. But he departs. And that they're there chanting practically, heal us, heal us, heal us. And off he goes to the wilderness. What do we learn here? What do we learn? We need to understand that like Jesus, we are strengthened by our intimacy with God. And our intimacy with God here is called prayer. That's what that is. Verse number 35, and there he prayed. He prayed. We need to understand that intimacy with God is more revitalizing than rest. You see that? Jesus chose intimacy with God over rest. Now, I love to sleep just as much as you do, okay? We all love to sleep. I understand that. But Jesus, being fully human and showing us what God's design for us is, found his revitalization, found his strength in his intimacy with God. And not only that, we learn that from his prayer, 
But also it says that he departed. That means he left the group. He left the sick and the suffering and the dying. He departed. Now what what is that showing us? What is that showing us? It's demonstrating to us that our intimacy with God is more important than your ministry success. It's more important than the crowd that follows you or the people that are with you. The things that pat people on the back. Intimacy with God was, that was key for Jesus. And he retreated alone to desolate places, the wilderness. He avoided the distractions of life. See, out there in the wilderness, and by the way, wilderness doesn't mean forest. It means desert. That's what it means. Out there where there's nothing to distract him. It's just him and God alone. And the Lord energized him. Listen, we are called to be fishers of men. That's what you were made for, all right? You might be an artist, you might be a baker, you might be a candlestick maker. I don't know what you do. But what God has designed you to do, what he has reborn you to do, if that was really a word, you are a new creature to be a fisher of men. Now we must, we must be strengthened through our prayer and intimacy with God. I dare not walk up here. I'm not saying it's never happened, okay? But I dare not walk up here or into any other ministry situation. And this is not the only one, by the way, okay? I dare not walk into that environment without being strengthened by my intimacy with God. Seeking the Lord on what he wants. Seeking the Lord on what he wants to do in me and through me. You know, the question comes up, what did Jesus pray for? What's he praying for? Right? I mean, I know what you think. Well, he's God. You know, he's just talking to himself. Remember, he's 100% human. He's 100% human. He is seeking from God the same thing that you and I should be seeking from God. We are to walk as Jesus walked. The disciples, they have an opportunity. Jesus says, fellas, ask me any question you want. Any question you want. Come on, fire it away. What would you ask? What's the lottery number next week? Okay. Uh, teach me, show me how to heal somebody. That'd be cool. Yeah, I'd like to heal someone. Jesus, teach me how to, how to proclaim God's word. Show me. You know what the disciples ask for? Jesus, teach us to pray. What does that show you? What does that show you? You know, if I follow you around, I'll figure out what you're an expert at. And I might come and say, hey, you know, teach me to, teach me to knit, okay? Or teach me to make something out of wood or, or teach, me to, teach me whatever, all right? I'll see something that you can do and I have you teach me. The disciples said, teach us to pray. 
because they knew that was the strength behind who Jesus is. Now, I want to, I want to just fly through the rest of this and see what all this means. Verse 36. He was strengthened through his intimacy, but I want you to see he submitted to the Father's heart for the lost. Watch what happens in verse 36. Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him, and they said, everyone's looking for you. See what's happening here? See, Peter was an ambitious man, I believe. And I really think that Peter spent the night thinking about all the healing that had gone on the night before, and he's like, I know how we can make this better. It was an unorganized mess yesterday. I mean, this place was like, you know, it was just out of control. This is what we'll do. We'll line them up in those lines like they do at Hershey Park, okay? And we'll walk them up here in in single file to Jesus. That's what we'll do. Jesus, I've got the plan all set up. I've set it all up for you. You just come here and do your little thing, and I've got it all ready for you. And they wait. Jesus doesn't come out of his bedroom. (laughs) Rabbis, they're always late, right? Come on, man. Come on, Jesus. They're out there. They're all in a single file line. We put the worst cases up front, okay? We have them in order, all right? They're, they're at by priority, all right? Not alphabetized them within that group. They're set to go. They're so organized. Finally, Peter says, I'll get him. I'll get him. Goes back into the bedroom. He's gone. So Peter, Simon goes out, and look what he says. Everyone is looking for you. See, we don't run. We're, we're not operating by, by the world system. Jesus would submit it to the Father's heart. And he said, fellas, we're leaving. We're leaving. We're going to the next town. Because I'm called to preach the gospel. That's why I headed out. That's why I left. We are out of here. And Simon and Andrew and James and John are like, I don't get you. Folks, that's how we need to be. So submitted to the will of God. So in touch with the Lord through our intimacy that our ways will not align with the world. That our thoughts will not align with the world. But that we will be fishers of men. Now, one of the things we've been doing the last couple of weeks is we want to help you know how to share the gospel. And so you might have figured out, for the last two weeks, we've had Billy explain the gospel in the exact same way. Well, we're going to do it again. Why? Repetition, repetition, repetition. Newt Rockney. This, is that his name? What's something like that? This is a football, right? This is the gospel. So, Billy, help us understand the gospel. As Pastor Lowell said, we are going to do our best to help you have the tools to share the gospel easily, simply, quickly, and effectively in conversations that you have in your life as you come into contact with different people. There's a piece of paper that was, that was given to you. Uh, Billy also has, back here, uh, Billy Thomas has extras. If you need one of these, just raise your hand, and he'll gladly give you one. There's one back here, Miss Vanessa. And this paper, if you look on one side, the color side, there are four different ways to share the gospel. 
Okay? These four spiritual laws, may I ask you a question? The Romans Road and the Wordless Book. You may be familiar with one of those. You may not be familiar with any of them. You may be familiar with all of them. But these are all different ways that we share the gospel. The gospel is, another, is the good news. It's about Jesus Christ. All about pointing people to Jesus Christ in his word. So as Pastor Lowell said, over the past two weeks, we have been doing the three circles. That's on the back side here. And uh, I'm trying to give it to you in, a, in a, just a different way so that you can understand the three circles gospel. Okay? And what I'm going to do is something very simple. I'm just going to read this back of this, of this paper. And you just keep your eyes on the, on the illustration in the middle. And hopefully, you'll gain a better understanding of how to share the three circles gospel. Okay? Learn to share your faith without fear. It should be something that just oozes out of us as it did come out of Jesus, simply. May I show you a picture that changed my life forever. We live in a world of brokenness. We can see it everywhere. But God has a perfect design. Unfortunately, we live in brokenness due to sin. Sin is turning away from God's perfect design. People try to escape brokenness, but they end up returning to it. Education, pleasure, money, drugs. God does not want us to stay in brokenness. So he made a way out. And that way is through his son, Jesus. Jesus entered brokenness as a man, but did not sin. He took our sin and brokenness upon himself on the cross. And he died in our place. And rose the third day, conquering sin and brokenness. The only way out of brokenness is to repent and turn to Jesus. Repent means to turn 180 degrees from one way to another. We need to believe this truth to truly escape brokenness. If we repent and believe, two things should happen in our lives. We grow to know God's perfect design by following Jesus. And we can go and tell others how to escape the brokenness. There are two types of people in this world. People in and pursuing God's design. Or people trapped in brokenness. Which one of these people do you want to be? You know, it's easy to choose to be in God's design. It's as simple as A, B, C. A, admit that you're in brokenness due to your sin. B, believe that God made a way out through his son, Jesus Christ. And C, call out to God and share that you trust 100% in his perfect design. Now, this is one more way that you can share the gospel in a simple way. There's five on this sheet. There are more. But it all does the same thing. Points to Jesus Christ in his word. The amazing thing is, if you can do this repetitively, actually, on the top here, you'll see a little QR code. Check that out. It's a video that explains the three circles in a minute and 45 seconds. And you can watch it and rewatch it. Because of this, it's challenged me to watch and rewatch and relearn and reread 
this simple gospel presentation so I can have another tool in my toolbox to be able to give life, true eternal life, to people that need it so desperately. And that eternal life begins when they receive the gospel, believe in it, and call out to Jesus, and they enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with God through Jesus. You know, this relationship that I live and that many of you live is an intimate one. And it's one that we need to revisit concept daily through our word. And oftentimes in our church, we, we emphasize this relationship through what we call communion. Communion. And uh, I'd like to have Pastor Lowell come up and, uh, and continue the discussion on communion. Verse 39, he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. We don't know all that he said. We don't, we don't have every word recorded. But what we do know from our understanding of the Gospels is he shared what we call the Gospel. I don't know if he did three circles. I don't know if he did good news, bad news. I don't know. But I know he helped people understand who he was. And I want to just take just a moment as we, as we transition into our remembering what Christ has done to watch him do it here. Look at verse 40. And a leper came to him. Now leprosy was a horrible disease. We know now it's a disease called Hansen's disease. Did you know that in all the gospels there's only two times that a leper was cleansed? That's it. Only twice. I know, it feels like he's walking around just healing all kinds of lepers all the time. Two times. No, I think he probably did more than that, but the Spirit of God only recorded two events where Jesus healed a leper. This is one of them. The leper came to him. He'd heard what Jesus was teaching. Everybody knew what Jesus was teaching. He came to him, imploring him, kneeling to him. He said, if you will, you can make me clean. And I love Jesus' response. He's moved with pity. He stretched out his hand and he says, I will. And be clean. Now, what happened at that moment was more than leprosy healing. I believe what happened is... This leper had become a child of God. Somewhere in this teaching, I believe he had responded. He saw who Jesus was and came to him and said, heal me. Now, I don't know what kind of healing you may feel that you need. But the greatest healing that we ever received is what Billy just walked through in understanding the gospel. Dead made alive. Child of Satan made child of God. Rebellion against God at one with him. And that happened because of the cross. And we celebrate that today. And so what we're going to do in just a moment, the praise team is going to come up and lead us in song. You guys can work your way up here. We're going to sing a song of worship to the Lord. And in the corners of the room, there's some bread and there's some juice. 
case you don't know this, by the way, we have gluten-free over here if that's a need in your life. But we have bread and we have juice. Nothing magical happens here. Nothing magical. It's just a physical reminder. It's just a picture. It's just a symbol of what God did. When he allowed his body to take my punishment. And when I receive this bread, I'm remembering that body. And when he shed blood, it's because there is no forgiveness without the, there is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. There it is. Jesus shed that blood so that my sin could be forgiven. And we drink this juice to remember the shed blood of Jesus. So in that moment, he cleansed that leper. But in that moment when you trusted Christ, he cleansed your soul and made you a child of God. Remember that as you worship. Remember that as you partake. To remember the cross of Christ.